the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And as my engineer will attest to, never too late, never too early, just right on time. (laughs) Usually. Good afternoon. Welcome. Welcome to the Tuesday, October 17th anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake. whole lot of shaking going on exactly at this time. In fact, I have very strong memories of sitting in the KFAX control room during the show back in 1989, and all of a sudden, two of the big equipment racks started banging against each other, and the chief engineer was down the hallway, and I yelled out, Len, what are you doing? To which he replied, Get in the doorway, you idiot. It's an earthquake. And then I realized, oh, yeah, it was. At any rate, yeah, amazing stuff. And I think a, uh, a reminder as we start the program on that unintended note that we do live in earthquake country, and the next earthquake can be at any time, and there are many fault lines that are well overdue. Hello, folks living in the East Bay near the Hayward fault line. You know, by the way, at the UC Berkeley Stadium, the Cal Bears play, there's actually sections of the stadium you can go to where you can see that the fault line runs right down the middle of the stadium, so much so that where the bowl meets, it has shifted, and you can see cracks of light where the entire section of the stadium, one part is moving north and the other one is part is moving south. That's not good. No, it's not good. So, you know, make sure you're prepared for an earthquake. And we won't. uh, Normally, we do a special on this date, but we're going to uh, dispense with all of that today. But just remind you to to always be mindful about the dangers of earthquakes in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, to be prepared and to do your best to protect your family. Okay, with that unintentional start to the program, let me again welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. We are here today, as we normally are, each Monday through Friday, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. On today's program, we lead off with a very important topic, and that is the broader notion from Scripture of studying to show oneself approved and the capacity to give an answer for the hope that lies within at any moment. There are, of course, questions that come up about life, who we are, how we came to be, um, our relationship with God, who is God, who is he to us, who are we to him, and most importantly, understanding um, how to be able to not only answer many of these important questions for your own satisfaction, but for those around us, seeing this as an important aspect of outreach and 
discipleship. Well, on today's program, we discuss the new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Inspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Power for Living from God's Eternal Word, newly published by Broad Street Publishing. Joining us is its author, our dear friend of the program, Dr. Alex McFarland. He is, of course, a religion and culture expert, syndicated talk show host, and author of some two dozen best-selling books, including this new one. And Dr. McFarland, always a privilege to have you join us. Well, thank you so much. It's a great honor to be on, Craig. And <clears throat> let me preemptively apologize for how I sound. Uh, over on the East Coast, we have these wonderful, amazing things called allergies, like <laughs> fall allergies. And uh, tonight, I probably sound pretty pretty bad, but I, I feel great. I just don't sound good, so well, I apologize. Well, we'll listen, it's it's all about the content anyway, and we appreciate your willingness to uh, to kind of um, muscle through all of this. And you know, it, it, it you're certainly right. I've spent uh, many a delightful early fall back east, enjoying the splendors of the change of colors. But uh, they uh, they certainly uh, come with some penalties, uh, at least for those of us that have allergy sensitivities. So we'll, we're we're going to certainly bear with you, and uh, we'll we'll look past. <laughs> Yeah. And any of the challenges related to that. Uh, Craig, i, I got to ask you, I was thinking about the earthquake, um, and uh, is that the one, if, if memory serves me, I was watching the Oakland A's play the Giants in the World Series. Was that the one? You are absolutely right. Day number two or game number two of the World Series, and uh, they hadn't even thrown out the first opening pitch. And uh, just about uh, 5.07, I think, in the afternoon, uh, all of a sudden, the stadium started to shake. The television picture (laughs) began to break up, and before you knew it, the lights went out, and it began a a very long dark uh, season for uh, Bay Areans. Uh, 6.9 on the Richter scale claimed uh, almost 70 lives and uh, we saw destruction from Santa Cruz uh, down in the South Bay along the coast all the way up into the Marina District of San Francisco. Not uh, not an experience we want to um, repeat certainly anytime too soon but I think also demonstrative of the notion that you want to be careful too with not only the forces of nature but also the wrath of God and uh, understanding scripture can help avoid a lot of that and um, my goodness thank the Lord that we have uh, received uh, salvation by faith through his grace and um, the the wonderful experience of being able to be um, forgiven to be reconciled with the Lord as we have repented and uh, to walk in fellowship with him. It's an amazing thing. And the heart of your book gets to a lot of the answers related to those very questions that we raise about life and who God is and who we are in relationship to him. And and I imagine, Dr. McFarland, as you have written books, as you uh, talk with listeners across the country and, of course, talk with uh, audiences all over the nation, I would imagine a lot of these questions must be ones that have been posed to you perhaps repeatedly down through the years. Yeah, um, and Craig, again, thanks for having me on. You, you're such a respected voice in radio, and I'm always humbled to, to know you and to be on your program. But yeah, uh, we've got this book. It just came out uh, literally um, th- you know, a couple of days ago, A um, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, and um, these are 100 questions that we've actually gotten from, you know, children, teenagers, adults, 
and the book deals with um, our best effort to give a scriptural, factual answer. And Craig, as I was preparing for your program today, somebody texted me a photo of um, a Sam's Club that where there's a rack of these books in Sam's Club. I know uh, Walmart, Sam's Club, Barnes and Noble have bought the book in quantity. And it's a, it's a thrill for me because I, I feel like we're going to get God's word and God's truth into some, you know, hands of people that maybe aren't necessarily churchgoers or things like that. But if ever, and I know you and I share this conviction, if ever the world needs that, that roadmap of truth that leads us to Jesus Christ and eternity, uh, we need the Word of God. People everywhere do need the Word of God, and that's what we endeavor to do in this book. You know, Second um, Timothy 2.15, speaking to Christians, says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And that's not just for the ministers or for, you know, Billy Graham and David Jeremiah. Every believer is to know the Word of God, to know truth and to be equipped to live it and and role model it and share it and uh, that's that's our our joy but frankly that's that's our duty isn't it Craig to know God's truth and share that to a world that needs to hear God's truth well and indeed not only is that such a, a tremendous truism but I think the broader perspective as we look at the world around us today and my goodness between the tragedy that we see unfolding since two weeks ago Saturday in the Middle East with this horrific early in the morning attack against um, innocent um, children and families uh, to a lot of the turmoil across our nation um, my goodness it seems like every day you read the newspaper about a shooting in one city, a carjacking somewhere else. I just read coming on the program tonight, going over some news of a 18-year-old kid barely graduated from high school, um, ends up getting involved in a violent home invasion robbery. And, you know, all of these issues, direct result of sin. And of course, the one the one surefire cure for sin is salvation and understanding how to be able to combat uh, the impact and effects from scan, of sin all inside of the pages of Scripture. And, and sadly, perhaps the bigger the bigger crisis, maybe the largest crisis facing our nation today is biblical illiteracy. And of course, that's not only a truism for nonbelievers, obviously, but even sometimes within the church. Yeah, well. Craig, I think we're in in the midst of three crises right now, and yes, the church is not immune to this, but there's a crisis of truth, there's a crisis of authority, and there's a crisis of identity, and that breeds a fourth crisis, but let me say this, a crisis of truth. What is reality? What What is really true? Is it my opinion? Is it my feelings, my emotions, or is there objective truth? That, that I don't define, but I can discover. And of course, I believe there is truth, it's revealed by God. Then there's a question and really a crisis of authority. You know, what am I going to look to for my, my roadmap for life? Is it my opinion or what's popular, what's in the media? No, there's, there's an authority and it's God's revelation. And then finally, there's a crisis of identity. 
And you know, even in, in compiling the questions for this book, um, we, we do our best, Craig, in all of our events and summer camps to try to quantify, you know, what was the age of the person writing this? We got a question from a little boy in first grade, and I don't know if he's probably seven or eight years old, but he said, um, why did God create people? Why did God create me? And do you know from, you know, Aristotle, Augustine, C.S. Lewis, some of the most brilliant thinkers of all time, uh, have pondered what this first grade boy was asking. Why am I here? You know, who am I? What is my purpose in life? That's a question of identity. And so, uh, Craig, as our as our culture has not only drifted away from moral boundaries and reverence for Scripture, and orders have actively worked to suppress and squelch God's truth, we're in a crisis of truth, authority, a crisis of identity. And the fourth crisis, if we don't find our way back, is going to be a crisis over our future. And I would say that we're already seeing the beginnings of a world in chaos. And the sooner that we humble ourselves, turn to God, and say, Lord, your will be done, the better off we'll be, and the sooner we turn to him, the better. Well, and you know, that crisis of identity goes to, I think, in, in large part, the very core of, of what we're discussing today in terms of my, my lead-off question related to everything that we see, the turmoil in in our, our nation and our culture today. And, you know, when when you don't know what your identity is, who, who you are in relationship to who God sees you and who you are in, in the view of the, the, the most important filter we have, have and that is the lens of scripture um, when when there's no sense of value in that relationship uh, to who who you are to God and who God is to you uh, it's easy for the guardrails to suddenly disappear and then before you know it well if if you don't see yourself the way God sees you you're not going to see others the way God sees them. And so, therefore, um, acts of anti-Semitism, which we see, for example, on the rise uh, in in recent years, even here in America, uh, along with extreme acts of of, of cruelty toward each other and, and, and violent abusive behavior, I think is all a direct result of people not having the truth in them. Well, where's the source of that truth? We come back to the scripture. If you've just joined us today, Dr. Alex McFarland, author of a number of best-selling books, his latest 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Inspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Powerful Living from God's Eternal Word, just newly released by Broad Street Publishing. You can order it through Amazon.com or through Dr. McFarland's website at AlexMcFarland.com. That's AlexMcFarland.com. When we come back, we'll ponder some of the top questions that Dr. McFarland answers in this book, perhaps a few questions that even you occasionally struggle with. We'll continue with our experience in iron sharpening iron and encouraging and exhorting one another with Dr. Alex McFarland as this edition of Lifeline continues. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are talking about the importance of scripture reading, uh, some of the uh, the tragic fallout as a result of biblical illiteracy, and encouraging everybody to really get a better handle on what the Bible has to say about everyday challenges of life, decision making, parenting, child raising, uh, relationships, and and certainly fundamental questions related to who God is, Christ's work on the cross, who we are in relationship to to Jesus, and uh, most importantly, why all of this matters. A new book that helps answer many of those questions is called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Inspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Power for Living from God's Eternal Word, newly published by Broadsteet Publishing, and our guest today, its author, Dr. Alex McFarland. Let's begin with some of the, the fundamental questions, and I realize for some folks are going to say, oh gosh, I I know that that's kind of pedestrian, but, you know, some folks are on the milk of the word. Others are further along on the meat of the word, but they're still very valid questions. And, and one that I'll run into every once in a while, uh, listeners particularly that are uh, young believers will say, you know, Craig, I've listened to you on the radio and I'm just curious. I go into a Christian bookstore to try and find a good study Bible and I am overwhelmed by the number of types of Bibles and sizes of Bibles and their study Bibles and concordances. And, and all of that. And I'm not really sure. I mean, didn't God just produce one? And, and it, it, how is it that we come up with so many different versions? So first and foremost, uh, Dr. McFarlane, as we talk about uh, studying to show one's approved, certainly the kind of Bible that you're using can be very important. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> there, there are a lot of translations and there are some uh, Bibles with with helps, and they might be like verses and references where you can find, you know, texts that complement other texts. And then there are study Bibles with notes, either in the margin or at the bottom of the page. And, you know, um, I, I've had people say to me uh, that, well, it's wrong to put the words of man on the same page with the words of God. But the very first 1611 King James Bible in English was in, you might say, at least a reference Bible, if not a study Bible, because there were a lot of notes and cross-references in the margin. But but let me um, address the issue of, of translations, Craig, because what a translation is, is a word exchange program. Now, the Old Testament, uh, Genesis through Malachi, was written in Hebrew. And the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, was written uh, almost completely in Greek, a little bit in a language called Aramaic. But um, as early as the 4th century, I mean, there was a man named Jerome that put the Bible into Latin. A lot of people in the Roman Empire and in the uh, the world of the first several centuries uh, read or spoke Latin. So... When a translation committee is putting the Bible in a new language, the Hebrew and the Greek is what's called the Dutch language. And then English, you know, Spanish, Hindi, Bimba, Cantonese, whatever, the recipient language is the language that it is translated into. And and I want people to realize that um, you can trust your Bible. Uh, it doesn't mean that there's been changes and all of these proliferation of translations. It doesn't mean that uh, it's been altered. If, if you say John 3.16 in English, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, 
you know, in the Greek, that means for God loved the world so much, he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Um, so the fact that there, we're living in an age of lots of different Bible translations, Craig, that, that really doesn't bother me because we want the Bible to get into as many languages and even dialects as possible. Now, there, there have been some that either intentionally or, you know, sometimes maliciously did change. Um, for, for one thing, let me say the New World Translation, which you'll never see in a store, but it's distributed by the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. That's not a good translation. Uh, for a number of reasons, but the main reason is there was a theological agenda to deny the deity of Christ, that Jesus wasn't really the one and only Son of God. And so that's a tainted, purposely incorrect translation because it has the theological agenda of the well, the watchtower there. Um, back in the 1960s, and here's another one, that you're very unlikely to see in a store because it just, I don't even think it's in print anymore, but it was called Good it was ironically called Good News for Modern Man. And it, it was an attempt in the 1960s to put the New Testament kind of in a modern vernacular, uh, but it uh, really undermined the, the, the virgin birth of Christ. And so um, that fell out of favor. And there have been a few others. Nowadays, sadly, I mean, there, there are Bibles. I'm not even going to give their name because I don't want to give them any publicity. There, there are a couple just for no justification whatsoever have taken out scriptures that condemn certain sexual sins. Uh, not that the Word of God has changed and certainly not that you know, the nature of God has changed, but um, like I said, I'm not going to give the names, but some of the translations out there that, that I believe are very trustworthy that you're likely to come across, of course, the King James, the, um, the New King James, the um, Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N, Holman Christian Standard Bible, the ESV, English Standard, the NASB, New American Standard, uh, NLT, the Tyndale put out the New Living Translation. Um, th these are all good. Um, the Holman Christian Standard is sometimes also known as the CSB Christian Standard Bible. But um, if you go into any Christian bookstore or even, you know, there, there are secular bookstore chains that carry lots of Bibles. So the, the question is not, at least if you're in the English-speaking world, the question is not, can I find access to a Bible? You can. The question is, um, will you read it and internalize it? And um, there, there's a prayer in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wonderful things from your word. I want to challenge people to pray that. Every now and then young people will say to me, you know, I want, I want to get into the Bible but it's hard to understand or something like that. Well, God wants every person to be able to know his word. And by knowing the word of God, we come to 
meet the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and we become a child of God. So if, if somebody listening is new to Bible reading, you know, just sit down with a copy of God's Word and say, Lord, speak to me. You know, God, open my eyes that I may comprehend your Scripture. And I believe he'll do that, Craig. I believe the Holy Spirit of God will open people's understanding. And in those pages, you'll find Jesus who gave his life for your salvation. And, you know, I think there's another important point that kind of um, uh, will put a, 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 a therefore and amen period to your observation, Dr. McFarland, and that's this. If you have a conversation with an older believer, <laughs> Pardon me, older believer, meaning somebody that has been in the faith for years, decades, and you ask them about their experience in Bible reading, they will probably tell you this, that early on in their studies, there were things that they understood and things that they absolutely did not understand. And then later on in life, as they progressed and they spent more time in the Word and they studied more and they prayed more, they began to understand more. And there were even things that they thought they fully understood in a particular passage of Scripture that one day God gave them a, a deeper insight. They saw something that, in a sense, wasn't there before. Ever have that before? You, you read something, and you, maybe you didn't come fully comprehend it, and then you go back and read it again. Oh, yes, now I get the point. And oftentimes you'll have older believers that will say that, that down through the years, their knowledge and understanding of God's Word has been added to. Now, that doesn't mean that the word is changing. Uh, what that is does mean is that you are growing. And I think the notion of, oh my goodness, I read a passage and I didn't understand it, therefore, oh, this is just useless for me. The Bible's written in a language I just can't relate to and therefore I won't study it. No. Even if there might be a passage that you come to that's absolutely not clear to you, that's a time where if somebody is discipling you, you can go and ask them for some insights. You can talk to your pastor for, for some insights. You can do cross-biblical reference using something like a Strong's Concordance. Oftentimes, the best interpretation of Scripture is by using Scripture. That will help broaden the understanding and contextualize uh, what you are reading from from not only a setting, but a historical background, etc., etc. And so don't be intimidated. If you are new to Bible reading and you don't entirely, quote-unquote, get it, at, at first pass. That's okay. Um, knowledge is something that is a growing body of information, understanding that is added to as we go along. And sometimes even the most simplest of verses that you think you fully get on day number one, you come back and reread that passage for the 10th time, the 20th time, years down the road, suddenly God is really opening your eyes as your body of knowledge and understanding of his word is growing and accumulating in breadth and depth. And so it's more important that you dive in and begin to absorb it than to panic if you don't walk away feeling as if you fully understand absolutely everything. Would you uh, concur with that observation, Dr. McFarland? I would absolutely agree. Very, very well said. And, uh, you, you know, a verse I love um, that I came across as a, as a young believer. I, Craig, I was 21. I was in college when I... Uh, really through a Monday night Bible study um, that I went to, I wasn't really, you know, I, I tell the people I had not seen the light and I wasn't looking for the switch. But I, I was going to this Bible study because uh, I knew some people there and because I 
uh, you know, like the girl that went to this Bible study. See, God is so merciful. Um, you know, even though my motives weren't really all that great, I began to hear the gospel, and I heard about Jesus Christ. And as an English major, and I was very much steeped in literature, and I'm going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I remember thinking, um, this, is, this is real. I mean, this, this has the ring of truth. Um, and I began to understand that Jesus, the Son of God, perfectly holy and righteous, he was qualified to go to the cross for my sins. And if I put my trust in him, the guilt that I deserved, I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. But yet Christ paid for my sins, and he would forgive me. And I would be in the sight of God, cleansed and forgiven. And I, I accepted that at age 21. Now, I was reading the New Testament, and I came across a couple of verses that, Craig, to this day, shaped my life. One was James 1, verse 5, that says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives abundantly and does not withhold. And I remember thinking, wow, okay, God, please give me wisdom. Uh, I need to be wise. I need to grow. Another verse that really shaped my approach to reading the Bible. Um, okay, the Bible, it says, holy men of God wrote what they were given by the Holy Spirit. That's um, 2 Peter 1, 21. But here's a verse, first 27. This is awesome. It says, this, the Holy Spirit that abides in you remains and will teach you all things. And so I thought, wow. The Holy Spirit of God, who gave this Bible to the writers, you know, Moses, David, Amos, King Solomon, the Apostle Paul, Peter, James, you know, all the writers, the Holy Spirit that gave the words of Scripture will tutor me through reading Scripture. Uh, for the Spirit that abides in you will teach you all things. Now, the reason I say that is, as people get into the Bible, and, and you're, you're so right, Craig, I mean, you, you can read a scripture for years, and it bless your heart and, and, you know, shape you, and then you can be decades into your walk with Christ, and you're still mining nuggets of gold out of this inexhaustible treasure called the Bible. Um, that's, that's why it's so rich. Um, we're probably coming up on a break. I got to share something I came out of John 21 just a little bit ago. How much time before the next break? Tell you what, hold that thought because I don't want to interrupt you. If you just joined the conversation, Dr. Alex McFarland is with us today. He is a best selling author, an expert in the arena of religion and culture. He's a national radio talk show host and a much in demand public speaker as one of the leading apologists in the nation today. Amongst his books, he's got a new one out called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Aspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Power for Living from God's Eternal Word. We're going to come back to more of our discussion. Dr. McFarland, hold that thought. I love that passage. You referred to it earlier. Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We'll come back to more of our conversation in just a moment. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. With us today is Christian apologist, best-selling author, Dr. Alex McFarland. His latest book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Inspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Power for Living from God's Eternal Word. Okay, I, I had to cut you short, Dr. McFarland, just before the break there. Please pick it up with your thought. Well, thanks very much, Craig, and as always, it's great to be with you on KFAX, and it's, it's a real honor. But you, you and I were talking about how the, the Bible always has a message for the reader who comes with an open heart and an open mind. And so in John 21, I was reading the other day, and, and I've, I've read the Gospel of John many, many times, but it's after the resurrection, and the disciples are there, and... Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Um, And remember, Peter had denied the Lord three times, but now he affirms the Lord three times. Um, So they're they're sitting around, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, well, then feed my lambs. And then Jesus says a second time, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus says, do you love me? Peter says, uh, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my uh, sheep. So I was thinking one day, and I thought, okay, that's odd. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. There's got to be something here that is, you know, important. So I looked it up in the Greek lexicon, Craig. Okay, the first one, the first word that's translated, feed my lambs, refers to like a newborn baby lamb, an an infant. The second is a word probata, which means um, a sheep. It it is a sheep, but it's, it's an immature sheep that unsupervised will wander off. And the third time, feed my sheep, is um, probaton, which is a word that means a mature sheep that is going to stay with the flock, even if there's no fence, and even in the absence of the shepherd, this mature sheep is going to stay with the flock. I thought about this. Um, Newborn lambs, immature wandering sheep, and mature faithful sheep. In the course of ministry, we will minister to all those people. And in fact, truth be told, at one time or another, we have been all of those people. Because in Christianity, when you first accept the Lord, um, you're like, the Bible says, like a, a babe in Christ, a brand new believer. And you need nurture, and you need some care and oversight. Uh, then there's the sheep, like in the second um, you know, admonition, the sheep that... Yes, it is a sheep, but might wander off. And then there's the mature sheep that just wants to stay near the shepherd and near the flock. Not forced, but just because that's the place that sheep wants to be. Anyway, my point is, that's a passage I had read through quickly countless times. I just found something that, personally, I found very edifying just recently looking at it. And I think that um, even though, you know, there's been everybody from C.S. Lewis to Charles Spurgeon to Billy Graham to David Jeremiah, you know, we've lived in the ages of some incredible saints of God and incredible teachers, and yet still the Word of God, because it comes from the mind of Christ, 
it is an inexhaustible library of truth, a gold mine of riches. And every believer at any stage of their walk benefits from daily being in that work. Let me pivot to another topic, a question that, that undoubtedly you've heard before. I've certainly um, not only pondered this myself, but heard people voice this question. Uh, let's take, for example, uh, the four Gospels. And folks that are, are new in the faith might read Scripture and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading the account of, let's say, Christ's birth, and, and I see some details in one of the four Gospels that are absent in the other, and it seems to be a little bit inconsistent, making me wonder just how much can I trust these accounts when not everybody is saying the exact same thing. Why do we run into those occasional, quote-unquote, discrepancies? Uh, Great question. Um, the, The first four books of the New Testament are like four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew and Luke have stories about the birth of Jesus. Um, So you've got what are called the canonical gospels, the canon of scripture. And Matthew and Luke tell us a little bit about the birth of Jesus. Now, um, they have different details, just like the resurrection. Uh, And in several of my books, I've got a chart we've made where we go over all of the scriptures that deal with Christ's resurrection. But, um, you know, it's important to point out that the different details are not contradictory details. Um, And, in fact, I've got a friend there in California, Jay Warner Wallace, Jim Wallace, who for a number of years was a Los Angeles detective and then um, over the last decade has become one of the preeminent apologists in the world, and he, you know, he's spoken for us in our conferences. Uh, Jim Wallace has said to me on a number of occasions that the the different perspectives they're they're not contradictory; they don't negate each other. But you know, one gospel writer points out one detail, another gospel writer points out another detail. That actually speaks to the truth and trustworthiness of it. That you you really do have people giving objective truth. Um, so Matthew, Matthew and Luke are the gospel accounts that deal with Christ's birth. You know, um, in Matthew, uh, Joseph is warned in a dream that Herod is going to try to, you know, take the life of the child. So they should go to Egypt. And, uh, you know, in Luke, there's the story of the shepherds and the birth in the manger. So while the narratives give different details they're not contradictory details now if one said jesus was born in bethlehem another one said jesus wasn't born in bethlehem those two claims would be irreconcilable but um you know different detail for instance let me say this what if i said october 17th uh i was on kfax with craig roberts and i also said now, October 17th, uh, I was on CBN. And somebody says, well, wait a minute. Were you either on KFAX or were you on CBN? Well, it was both and. You know, it's just about seven hours apart, you know. Um, so complementary details 
are not exactly contradictory details. Right, and you mentioned about the detective, and I, I, I've heard it told, uh, police officers will tell you this. They arrive at the scene of an accident, there are a half a dozen bystanders, and they start taking reports, and, and they're writing down details uh, of, of what each witness has uh, has seen. Now, somebody might have been standing several feet away, somebody might have been on one side of the street, somebody else was in their vehicle. So you have varying perspectives. Well, varying perspectives means that different people are going to capture different details. It's not that they've seen a different thing, but they've seen it from a different viewpoint or a different angle. And so one of the authors might include a detail that somebody else doesn't include that doesn't necessarily, however, mean that it's somehow contradictory. Now, let's contrast that, um, Dr. McFarland. We all know this when we were kids. I certainly had this experience probably far too many times that I should admit, but we would get in trouble, right? And you know, uh uh-oh, my father's going to find out. What did we say when we were kids? Okay, let's get our story straight, right? We would collude together to make sure that all the details perfectly matched right down to the last finite details so that when we explained what happened and tried to convince Dad that it was the dog that did it, Everybody was telling the same story. Well, when you see such a degree of absolute 100% parallel facts told in the same order in the same fashion, you can almost always bet somebody is telling a lie because that just isn't the way we see things. And I think that's a great way to understand Scripture. Had this all been contrived and designed as a way of, you know, pulling some kind of tomfoolery on people for now two millennia, uh, you would see such a degree of of exactness in the accounts, for example, in the four Gospels, that it would be pretty clear that this must have been contrived. They got together on this one, but that's not the case. Right, exactly. You know, one of my favorite historians uh, who did the... um Will Durant's uh, History of Civilization. And uh, in the late 70s, Will Durant, he, he, by the way, he worked 50 years on his, depending on which version you have, the 12 volume or 20 volume, 24 volume series, History of Civilization. And in the late 70s, Will Durant uh, got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now, think about this his um, History of Civilization was called one of the greatest works of history in history. I mean, and to this day, it it really stands as like one of the Mount Everest of historical compilations. But anyway, uh, my mentor in grad school was a guy named Norm Geisler. Oh, yes, I fondly remember uh, Dr. Geisler, a frequent guest on this show back in the day. Phenomenal apologist. Phenomenal PhD from Loyola, brilliant. Oh my goodness, I, I, I could, you know, chase a rabbit trail here and just tell you Norm Geisler's accomplishments. But he knew Will, which is amazing. One of the great. I mean, there were some guys in the seventies like Arnold Toynbee and Will Durant and Mortimer Adler um, that were. You know, I, I just don't even know how you could compare them to any academics living today um just like there were, there were people like william f buckley that was a cultural commentator par excellent but 
Dr. Geisler knew Will Durant, and I mean, that in itself put me in awe of Norm Geisler. And Dr. Geisler explained to me how Will Durant, you know, certainly one of the greatest historians of the last few hundred years, Will Durant became a Christian before he passed away. And Will Durant famously said about the trustworthiness of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Will Durant said, if you discount the historicity of Jesus, uh, in other words, if you said, okay, we can't trust it, you know, we just, just don't know. Will Durant said, if, if you throw out Jesus of the Gospels, then you have to eliminate the top 100 names of the ancient world, which no historian would dream of questioning, but for whom we have far less evidence. Aristotle, Julius Caesar, you know, uh, Hammurabi, anybody, Plato. Um, Will Durant said that if you don't believe that the Gospels and the historical record of Jesus is trustworthy, which is the most well-attested, most well-authenticated life of the ancient world. If you throw out Jesus, then you basically have to say, we can't know anything about history. And that's a long academic way of saying that the, the Gospels are historically trustworthy. And in those Gospels, we read about a man who claimed to be the, the promised Messiah, was crucified, rose from the dead, uh, there, there's no way around it. That empty tomb validates what he claimed about himself. And for the last 2,000 years, Craig, people of every conceivable strata, uh, from you know intellectuals to just honest seekers, have found out that, that not only is Jesus Christ real, Craig, but a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus most real thing that will ever happen to you. And if there's anybody listening that, you know, you you know about Jesus, but you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, um, he's as close by as a prayer. And I would encourage people, the most vital thing you'll ever do is to pray that prayer and begin that relationship with the one who claimed to be the Savior. And don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I, it, it may shake the foundations of my, uh, my young faith. Um, th- there is such an abundance of evidence that supports the biblical accounts um, that you should never be afraid to dive deep into the word and to ask good, healthy questions. By the way, speaking of Dr. Geisler, I, Two books that immediately come to mind when you mention his name, When Critics Ask and When Cultists Ask. Two bestsellers of his, probably 20 years old now. Uh, he's, he's been home with the Lord for a few years now, but w- w- what an amazing apologist. And, of course, we've just been talking to another amazing apologist, Dr. Alex McFarlane, about his latest book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families, Aspiring Truths, Helpful Explanations, and Power for Living from God's Eternal Word. 
Word, newly published by Broad Street, and you can get it through the usual suspects, including through Dr. McFarland's website at alexmcfarland.com. This was fun. We got to do it again and dive into more of these questions. I think it's 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 a good reminder for those of us that have been around for a while, and and always a good primer for folks that are um, young in their faith or are perhaps yet still investigating the claims of Christ. 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Its author, our guest today, Dr. Alex McFarland. Dr. McFarland, thanks again, as always, so much for your time and insights. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.